Hi everyone, this is Jonathan from the communications team in Vancouver. So first, a bit of the backstory to this project. We're not sure if it has a name yet, like, I don't know, TK Talks or Shooting the Shit About Shipping. Uh, I probably can't say that, can I? Summer. Yeah, can you beep it out? Oh, by the way, we need some jingles. Jingle, 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 you know? Jingle, 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 you know? For now, let's very pragmatically call it the TK Podcast. And your naming suggestions are welcome. If I may, a short personal TK story. I've had it on my personal goals for about four to five years to produce a TK podcast. Why? Well, and not why it's taken me four to five years, because that's another story, but why a podcast? Well, you may have heard Kenneth share something along the lines of, uh, should I say this in a, like a Danish accent, you know? TK's, no, I can't do it. I probably shouldn't do that. TK is not a shipping company with great people. We are a people company with great ships. And that's my everyday experience of TK. Over the years, I've heard so many great stories around here. That's what keeps me here energized. Our culture is so rich and deep and heavy and kind of dank and dripping with spirit. Just so much TK spirit. It seems a crying shame really not to share that genius more openly and with pride with others. The great uh, marketing guru, Seth Godin, defines culture like this. People like us do things like this. And that is what the definition of culture is. Yes, people like us do things like this. So this thing is not really about shipping or about the oil and gas industry per se. It sounds a bit cheesy to say it's all about the people, but um, well, you know. If we want to make it sound more noble and flash, we could say something like, Real stories from real heroes with fascinating lives who show up 100% every day and make TK a rip-roaring 45-year narrative of change, of seafaring valor and survival, of riding the waves of capital and energy markets and the 20-meter waves of the seven seas, of engineering prowess of our steel, of gritty professionalism in heat and cold, in 1,000 ports across the world, of a transnational team trying to attain the founder's dream of absolute excellence. Hit the ship's whistle, Solomon. Or, I don't know, it could be just some basic curiosity about the good people doing good work with the right attitude. And in this, I could choose any person at random at TK and probably strike gold. I'm super curious by nature, and we hope you are too. So let's share some stories. Stories shape our worldview, and here I'm going to slow down as I have a point to make, and it sounds more profound that way. Stories shape our worldview. When shared, they create cultural relevancy, the community anchor points of our lives. And this is how brands are built. The TK brand is simply a set of stories we tell ourselves, each other, and the outside world. People like us. People like John Adams, a 30-year TK veteran and a behemoth of our culture. And at the lunch, I mean, this was North America back then. I mean, uh, you could still have a beer at lunch. Uh, but what happened, I remember, is that I had a... I was asked where I wanted. I was new to Vancouver. I asked what, what lager they had, and I had a, I had a Granville Island mm-hmm. lager. Torben had a glass of white wine, and everyone else had water. 
so this was like the worst beer I ever had in my life, you know. And everybody was watching me, and it, uh, it was all pretty strained. Yikes! Well, more from John and our founder Torben Karlshoy later. Then there are people like Charlotte from our London office, the kind of understated colleague who keeps learning every day, keeps the team connected, and keeps the brand ticking over. But I found it just so fascinating when I joined that I've just never left. This is like the longest job I've ever stayed at. Um, And I've just wanted to learn like the whole time since I've been here. So I've just been begging to learn things and to do courses and all kinds of things since the very beginning, actually. So we are curious about people like us, people like you and the things you do. Let's dive in and meet some of those great people with great stories. Wish me luck as I finally close out my personal goal and I wish for you that the next maybe 25 minutes lets you refresh your thinking about TK about people like us who do things like this where to start well let's start at the beginning Torben Karlsruhe our founder Torben has always been an enigma to me we have very few photos or videos of him and in those he's often stood back squinting into the sun on a ship's deck kind of fuzzy in that 1980s photo quality way. Then we have that rather strange portrait of him that hangs in most of the offices and I believe on most of the vessels, looking almost avant-garde or cubist in yellow and green. I'm often trying to make sense of TK today through the lens of the past. Kenneth talks about becoming a 100-year shipping company, so our history is an obvious anchor point. So when I meet the old geezers who remember Torben, I always dig around in the past with them. John Adams needs no introduction, so I won't give him one. Suffice to say, John's been there, seen that, and probably taken you through a 70-slide deck of what you should know about it. When I was in the Glasgow office recently, I just pressed record, said, Torben, sat back and let him go. This is some of what I learned. So going back to... 1988 or, or yeah um, yeah it was you said you'd heard of this guy Torben what had you heard about him like, he was building when others weren't but was that mean he was crazy or he was entrepreneurial or what was his what was the shtick well how, how it happened just to explain is that I, I actually was uh, acting as a consultant I was asked by this company I'll, I'll tell you who it was it was Wallums uh, Wallums had just been uh, awarded with Acomarit and a company called Dorchester, all of the BP fleet to, to manage. Uh-huh. And these BP guys were talking about this guy, Torben Kalshoim. Oh, yeah. And, okay. it, uh, and it, they had um, uh, just transferred two of their uh, product tankers, the BP <laughs> architect and BP advocate. Uh, they had... Um, taken two product tankers that Torben had just built. I forget the names of them now, but it was like the Kobe Spirit and Tokyo Spirit, something like that. And they take, took them over in this five-year bareboat thing. And in return, gave to Torben the BP Vigor and the BP Vision, which became the TK Vigor and TK Vision. So TK Vision was that oh, yeah. at that time, was, right? It was a this, so this was like 88, mm-hmm. early 88. And uh, But they had then gone on about uh, this guy Torben. He was building all these ships in Japan. He was making inquiries in Korea. He was doing all sorts of things. He was growing up this fleet. And uh, then later in 88, I was actually doing some more work for uh, that same company. And I got a call, as I say, from uh, 
uh, a guy I knew in the in the joint venture company saying, you won't know uh, anything about this, but there's this company called TK that we want to do a joint venture with. And so when you first met Torben then and shook him by the hand, mm-hmm. I mean, you meet Axel Carlshaw, you shake that guy's hand, you know you've, you've had your hand shook. He's got mm-hmm. like, the strongest handshake you've ever seen. Was Torben that had that same kind of presence, you know, where you're like, wow, he's entered the room. And Torben's in the room. I can vividly remember meeting Torben for the first time in, in Glasgow, and it must have been a, a dull, rainy day, which we get here now and again. And I remember this figure turning up with uh, a black, double-breasted trench coat, all fastened up and belted, yeah. and very understated and quite stern-looking, actually, and quite stern discussions, as it turned out, because this joint venture was managing some of these ships. Not the nice, shiny Japanese ones, but the, the, the second-hand tonnage that he'd bought in that wave of expansion. But anyway, the, the point is, he's quite a stern character. He And yeah, you're right, the handshake was... But the handshake was not because it was so engaging, but just because he, he was such a stern figure was how yeah. he came across. He, of course, eased up a bit. He meant business. Yeah, and, and, and I think he came there, to, came here to Glasgow on a mission to say... I'm going to tell these guys I'm serious. And, and I think that was, and it was pretty serious discussions straight into boardroom type environment and, and all of that. But I mean, I think back on it now, um, as you're forcing me to do, he would have been probably, or he, he had to be about 48 then. No, 46. He'd have been 46 then and looked older. Mm-hmm. You know, different times, different yeah. eras, but he he looked like a, an older, serious guy, too, in my recollection. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. For the shore stuff, did you did you also like feel that intimacy? Um, I, I think that he would engage people at certain levels. I mean, you have got to remember, I, I wasn't working with him in his yeah. office all the yeah. time. I would see him on various visits, and it uh, built up. I felt a, a good relationship with him, and I, I remember, you know, I remember having lunch with him. In five sales in uh, in Vancouver, quite a it uh, probably still is quite a uh, prestigious place mm-hmm. to go to. That's where we went. And I remember in that lunch, can't remember all of them now, but Vinay Pat Warden was there, Alan Murphy was there. So early '92 we were there, and at the lunch, I mean, this was North America back then. I mean, uh, you could still have a beer at lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what happened, I remember, is that I had a, I was asked where I wanted. I was new to Vancouver. I asked what what lager they had, and I had a I had a Granville Island mm-hmm. lager. Torben had a glass of white wine, and everyone else had water. <laughs> so this was like the worst beer I ever had in my life, you know. Everybody was watching me, and it, uh, it was all pretty strained. But he was he, he he was relaxed then, but not everybody was relaxed with him. Yes, he was relaxed, yeah. but not everybody else is yeah. what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was just an aura he had. I think he could lighten it up, but you know, he was—he uh, could be pretty, um, uh, pretty daunting uh, yeah. character. And you know, there's a couple of quotes that we've used of Torben's over the years. But there's the one which is where he says, you know, once we've achieved, I guess, the equivalent of operational excellence, then we have to go for absolute excellence, absolute excellence. So that's a pretty sort of severe or aggressive stance on on how he saw the world and I wondered if that came across like was he in, when he looked you in the eye did he was he always demanding more did you ever feel that that you would ever reach his expectations 
Yeah, I think we were all clear on the uh, on the expectations. Uh, he always made that clear. He had made it clear from the outset. The first thing he would tell people is that he was building something different. Mm-hmm. He was aiming for a new standard. This was going to be the best shipping company in the world. He wasn't going to compromise on that. Um, everybody had to know the TK story. We, we talked about it in those terms back then, that people had to know the, the TK story. Uh, you know, to put this in context, in, in 88 when I joined, there was about four or five ships. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, by 89, I remember these numbers, there was 23. By 90, there was 32. By the time he died, it was over 15. So this was rapid expansion, which was, that level was unprecedented at, at, at that time. Uh, but you couldn't compromise on the quality as you were going through it. And I would say to people when I was hiring them, and we were hiring many people uh, constantly, that I would rather that uh, they didn't join us if they weren't joining us for the right reasons. And I would have these discussions with people in a, in a very competitive uh, market because um, I knew it would backfire otherwise. And I think that, um, I honestly believe we, we, we were, with that kind of management, but also uh, a certain amount of fortune, I guess, that uh, these same people in that 88, 92 sort of era were the same people who became not just uh, senior officers, but managers through yeah. the organisation. So, we, so we, we got a lot of that right foundation together. Because you have to bear in mind, again, this is a kind of manning thing to say, but when we started out, we had no core people of our own. Mm-hmm. We had ships and absolutely no people. The example I gave earlier where BP would flag out their fleet, it was their people who went with it. Mm-hmm. When other companies did the same back then, they had their own people. We had no cadre of, uh, of any of our people. We had to grow it from scratch. So that was an interesting thing. And again, he wouldn't compromise on the, uh, on the standard. And, and something I know I told you before, but he met a German captain on the ship, and the first thing he asked him was, uh, have you been told the TK story? And this captain said to him, no. So in, a, in one of his stern meetings in Glasgow, he called me out across the boardroom in front of everybody saying, this German captain said he didn't know the story. Why is that? And of course, I gave this little bit of a weasel answer that uh, he probably didn't want to miss the chance of hearing it from you direct, right? <laughs> and, 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 and he did look at me as if, you know, smart ass, if I'm allowed to say yeah. that in your, 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 your recorder. But, I mean, that was it. But that's what he... Those who know John know he can talk at length about pretty much any topic, TK, shipping or otherwise, and it's always a pleasure. We'll come back to more from John, looking back over his 30-year TK career and looking ahead to the future too in another episode. Where next? Well, if we are in history mode, the TK London office is the oldest TK office of all. You may have heard Bjorn Muller tell the story of opening it in 1986 with a box of files and a kettle. So those were pretty small beginnings. And you know, you think today, whenever we move office or move floor or we transfer people, you know, the complexities that are involved with IT and all this sort of thing. When I moved the office from Copenhagen to London in 1986, it, it occurred with me packing two boxes of chartering files into the back of my Renault 5 on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> Matt and I drove to Esberg, took a ferry to Harwich in the UK, drove into London, and Monday morning we opened TK UK. You know, how difficult can it be? <laughs> now situated in German Street, just behind Piccadilly, you really feel in the heart of it when you go there. And because London is such a shipping hub, 
the TK office gets all sorts of TK strays passing through year-round. Want to know when not to visit if you want a meeting room or a desk to work from? Let Charlotte Jacqueline fill you in. Charlotte is coming up on a decade of service in the office, and although she started under difficult circumstances, she is someone who fills the office with positive energy, as anyone who's passed through the office and needed help can attest to. And even after a decade, Charlotte is still learning. What did you start with at TK? What was your first job? Uh, it was, uh, I started as an admin assistant to Tim Horn and to the office. So I basically did one-on-one -on -one things for Tim and then, you know, uh, admin stuff for the office as well. And I worked alongside Tina, who was, who is still office manager. So. And tell me, you, did you have a background in shipping? Like was it? Was, no, not yes, at all. It was completely like, new. So yeah. um, I guess admin, they don't think you need background, I guess. Um, I think it helps, though, now that I've done it. Um, but I found it just so fascinating when I joined that I've just never left. This is like the longest job I've ever stayed at. Yeah. Um, and I've just wanted to learn like the whole time since I've been here. So I've just been begging to learn things and to do courses and all kinds of things since the very beginning, actually. So. And so tell me, what, that, what was your first impression of working for a shipping company, how did you describe it? Well, there's two sides to that because I, the reason I joined was because the last PA had passed away on holiday. So there was a bit of a, it was kind of low key in the office at the time. Uh, so I just tried to keep my head down and, and like get on with people and do my work really and try not to bring it up and upset people and yeah, things like right. that. But at the same time, I in the, in the past I've worked for um, like recruitment agencies. So I'm very used to the language and all this kind of thing if anything you know and I've been an air cadet so like I'm totally used to being with the boys I'm totally used to all of that kind of things so I kind of like the vibe personally yes yeah, like when a high energy yeah it's high like tempo kind of experience. exactly and the people in the office they once you you know you've been here for a little while it's like a little family like it's not like colleagues and work it's like family so it's nice to like see them and have the rapport and it's just really nice nice feeling and like how many people are here how many people about thirty at the moment. That's always changing, as you yeah. know, fluctuating. So it's about thirty. And then the other thing is um, because it's London is big. London being a shipping centre, uh, we get a lot. Of, you, know, you get a lot of guests from around the TK world meeting with customers and doing different things. Right. So there's always like a odd face in the office. Yeah, we have. Well, we have lots of people coming from other offices for board meetings or to visit other customers or brokers or whoever is in who's located here. So we're quite central. It's quite good for that. Um, the visitors. It's always nice to see people that you work with, especially if you don't get to travel to the other offices. So if they come here, it's the best way to like meet people. What's the What's the day that's had the most amount of other TK people like from different places? The yeah. busiest time always is the first week of December. The board meetings, the Christmas parties, everything is just going on. That is the worst week for stuff like that. Absolutely, you've got people coming in, you've got people going out, but there's just there, you can't find a seat, you can't find a meeting room. It's just crazy, crazy, crazy busy. Yeah, and so uh, I guess you put together the Christmas party over the years. Uh, I did with Tina so I would basically do I would organize the venue the food the timings all of that kind of thing and Tina would do the invitations and all of that kind of thing so the RSVPs that was yeah. all all the hard work of those thousands and thousands of invites that would go out would be her so yes but it was a, it's a famous sort of landmark occasion each year in the shipping calendar right the, it is yeah so calendar. yeah we have to actually 
we have to place the date very carefully around the other big shipping parties going on because we don't want to you know be second best or people not come because of you know but yes it is it's one of the you know really big events that go on and uh, so then you've been here nine years and you're saying that how you you're, you've always been a learner you're always wanting to try out new things so what are you doing now well, now I am in my new role doing claims. Um, that is a learning process every single day. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, I've done ASDEM training courses very recently. I've done two, the um, basic and the advanced, it was just like a week or two ago. Um, and I'm just, just any, all of these lunch and learning, lunch and learn, sorry, that we have here. Um, and if there's anything I don't understand in my day-to-day -day role, then I can discuss it with my team. I can discuss it with the other guys and like just get everybody's feedback really that any of these things can be so different. Like, like all the issues and clauses and things that come up, they can be interpreted in so many ways. And just one word change in a sentence can just make the whole thing mean something completely different. So right. it's never two problems the same. Yeah. So it's just a constant learning curve. So there's lots of things, new things to learn, but I guess you know all of the acronyms and all of that because you've been just around the around, shipping world for yeah. like maybe ten years now. You kind of, you kind of get the general sort of schematics of it, but now you've got to learn the details of it. Exactly. And so, do people treat you differently around the office now? Like because you're not you're not doing the admin role, but you're now you're doing like a specialized role. To uh, I don't think they treat me differently. I think it's my perspective of things is different because. Being in the admin role, I had my finger in many pies even there. I was cross-training in claims and bunkers, yeah. plus being the go-to person for everything in the office. Yeah. So I was used to being right in the center of everything and everyone came to me for everything and right. I kind of loved that. Uh, and actually, I, I aspire to be that person in claims as well one day. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I'm still new, so <laughs> not yet. Um, so that, for me, was a huge change. No one really needs me anymore yeah. <laughs> in that sense. Um, Unless, you know, one of the claims that I'm looking at are the vessels for the voyage managers hit, yeah. then they will come to me and things like that. But it's just very different, very, very different. And so you used to sit in the middle of the office. Yeah. You? And now you sit on the... I used to sit the, over there. Yeah. Now, now I sit the in the, the corner. Office. Yeah. Which is uh, it's great in some respects. Um, when yeah. the team are in, it's busy and it's, it's yeah. chatty. I can see people passing if I've got time to look away from my screen, which often I don't, to be fair. Um, but if they're not, then and it's quiet, then I can put my head down yeah, and read yeah. because I've got so much. You have to read the contracts, read the clauses. Yeah. It's all about the reading. So you need to be able to focus, especially yeah. when you're switching between one claim and another. And the contracts are similar, but they're not the same. So you have to just make sure that you're checking it all with a fine tooth comb. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I was going to ask you was because you, <clears throat> you were supporting Tim all those years and now Tim's gone and James has gone. Like yeah. Kind of mainstays of the TK London brand for 25 years. Um, how, how have you noticed that change, you know, now that they're not here? How has the London office changed? Well, you, don't, you don't have to be political, by the way. Just, I was just, gonna just, say, you know, I don't know culture, how like, positive know, you want me to be the about feeling, that. The feeling but, was, um, so. For me, honestly, was like, uh, I don't know how to say this in the right way, but with Tim especially being here as the person who hired me, I saw him as a kind of father figure yeah. and I wanted to do a very good job for him. So, you know, he kind of made me come to work. I was happy to work for him. The kind of rapport that we had as well, even with James and Anne too, I also supported Anne. Um, you know, it's, you have the good rapport and it's what makes coming to work so, so fun. 
um, since they left, it, it has been like a big hole for me. I'm getting a bit used to it now as time goes on. I'm in a different role, but it is completely different having a new manager as well, like for the first time in nearly 10 years, as you say. Yeah. So, and, and they work in a completely different way. Yeah. It's different, but to me, it does feel like there's a big hole yeah. missing yeah. still, oh. because that's all I've known the whole lot. By the way, the reason the audio gets a bit glitchy there at the end is because Charlotte's mic'd up and pointing to her heart as she describes uh, missing Tim and James. TK really does feel like a family to me sometimes. We're global but tight-knit. People hang around a long time. We have that shared history. And cheers to that. Still, we must look ahead always, right? So what is Charlotte planning next? And so um, you're, you're in claims now. What's the future? What, are you going to be the CEO one day of Ticket <laughs> You can always aim high, right? There's no ceiling to where you can aim for, but... Um I don't know. I, I quite enjoyed the bunker training that I did. Uh, I could see myself quite happily being in bunkers. Um, but I also enjoy my claims that I'm doing here. So whatever I end up doing, I just want to be the best at what I do. So. Good. Well, thanks, Charlotte. It's nice to see you again. Thank Catch you. up. <laughs> you too. So today we spoke with John around his 30-year anniversary and Charlotte, who's around 10 years here. Just to finish on some symmetry, I wanted to share a quick piece of audio of a 20-year veteran of various forms of TK offshore production going back to its Gola Nor days, Elaine Purcell. Elaine was one of several people we interviewed last year in the TK Offshore Aberdeen office. This piece of audio never quite got around to be produced as a video, but we asked some of the Aberdeen team about their TK lives, and I really like this brief review of her TK journey. I actually came to what was Golanor 20 years ago to cover on reception for one day as a favour to the agency that I was working for at the time. Then was asked to come back and do a couple of weeks holiday cover. I was then asked to take on a permanent position, and it's just progressed from there. One day on reception through to doing all types of admin, etc., and then ended up in what is now logistics. Generally, it's the people. We have absolutely always had, I think, quality people. That makes a big difference when you're coming in every day and you've got people that you know you can get on with and that you know you can rely on. And I'm still here 20 years later. How did any of us get right here, right now. We took turns here and there, we made decisions, we met people who pointed us in a direction, and all of us wended our way to TK. By doing so, we made TK what it is, together. Those joining today will make the next iteration of our culture, our identity, and the TK brand. So, I'll be back soon with another gripping episode. Is that the right vernacular, Solomon? Is it an episode yeah? Okay. Another gripping episode in which I give Bertie from the London office my very best professional advice. Put your headset on. Yeah. Stand up. Arms, arms and legs akimbo. <laughs> Get really deep in your voice. You'll sound very, very powerful. Okay, I'll try it. I'll say, Jonathan's taught me everything I know. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been here three years. What's the... If you have recommendations of who we should include in the podcast in the future, please let me know. Everyone has a story to tell. People like us who do things like this. Cheerio. Cheerio.